So welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. We're finally ready to talk about what happened at the weekend. That was a difficult watch. On the Red Hand Podcast, however, we do try and stay positive, which is going to be tricky in this occasion. If you didn't see the game, I'd thoroughly recommend you don't go back and watch it because it is it is so tough to watch. In brief summary, six tries and a clean sheet for sale on one of Ulster's worst performances in recent history. Ulster looked jet-lagged in defence and attack. Indeed, preparation for the game was disrupted by the cold weather in the northwest of England, which meant they had to travel on the morning of the game after their flight on Saturday was cancelled. Ulster arrived in England on the back of that 38-29 loss to Leinster in the URC. With Dan McFarlane concerned that that defeat would have uh, some psychological trauma, sadly, this game didn't do much to help. I'm not going to go into significant detail. I can't bring myself to, to go into, into too much detail just yet. But Sale, in fairness to them, were utterly rampant and extremely impressive in victory. For Ulster, huge questions need to be asked. Whatever happens, as fans, we back the players who are playing for Ulster and the jersey. However, I think it is fair to say that as fans, we're disappointed that none of the players wanted that result. And we should stick by players who give their all. Anyway, that all said, I'm joined by Ian Frizzell and Jack Fogarty, and Nigel Quigley may drop in at some stage, and we're going to try and understand what happened. So after that lengthy introduction, Ian, can you summarise a few of your thoughts? Have you had sufficient time to recover from the weekend? Um, yes. Look, initial reactions to a defeat like that are always um, uh, full of emotion. Uh, and the, certainly the occasion um, might have got the better of a few, few of us on uh, social media, including myself. Although I look back to see exactly what I said, uh, and uh, it, it was basically that uh, the, uh, the team and the, and the management would owe supporters a bit of an apology for the performance. Um, at rates, certainly up there as one of the worst that I've ever seen in, in watching uh, Ulster for the last 30 years or so. Um, so I don't know um, where the performance came from. I am absolutely uh, convinced that the travel arrangements did have a big effect on that. Uh, it couldn't not affect it, uh, given that uh, you know, the guys were basically travelling uh, a couple of hours before kickoff, um, I read somewhere like they were sort of grabbing something to eat on on the plane and on the buses to the ground. Um, and I mean, I played rugby. We used to arrive. Uh, sometimes we arrived with a uh, togged out, uh, and and you know that's 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 fun rugby. That's not professional sport. Uh, so I I I one hundred percent. Even though Dan and, and the players said that you know that it didn't disrupt them, hundred percent it disrupted them. But even on that, like when you go onto the pitch, there was a lot of what we did and didn't do that uh, can be put down to um, just just a very very poor poorly organised team on the pitch. Um, to 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 go there and get nilled. With that performance, I think that's what makes it so so hard to take. We didn't fire a shot. I don't remember us even having an you know a sort of a, a an attempt at getting over their line at any stage. 
um, that, you know, after the first sort of five, seven minutes, where I thought actually we started quite confidently. Uh, we repelled them a couple of times uh, and I thought we're growing into this game and then all of a sudden they just hit us. Um, they played some nice stuff. Yeah, you know, you've got to put your hands up uh, and, and admit, you know, they're a damn good team. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, we do have to give them full credit as well. And I think we're all uh, a bit wounded after that game. But uh, if you, once the, the dust has settled, you can look back and go fair play, sale. Um, they put in a great performance. We'll talk a wee bit about that in a second. But Jack, I want to turn to you now. And look, I think Ian did a very good job of, as always, of articulating how fans feel. And Ian has been an Ulster fan for a long time. And yeah. Um, that, that as he says, that's one of the worst performances he's seen in those sort of thirty odd years of of watching and supporting Ulster. But as we was from you, Jack, how did how did it make you feel after watching that game? Rugby supposed to be fun; it's a, it's a fun pastime to watch. We shouldn't get too down about it, but tell us how you felt that uh, after that game. But also, how do you think the players and coaching staff felt after that? Yeah, so I guess. It's it's kind of it puts it into perspective when you know Ian's a guy who's been going to Ulster games for a long long time that you know if that's the worst um, game that he's seen that's 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 right up there then because it also was my worst game of rugby that I've ever watched I think because it was just so uncompetitive and it was just so well it's just like what's you know what's the point at halftime I was thinking it's gonna have to be a hell of a shift here to to like even get back into it. I still kind of thought, well, it just don't seem it just don't seem up for it mentally. They just didn't seem up for it, like in the right headspace. I don't mean that they were not ready or not, you know, adequately prepared, but it was just really, really rough to watch. Like it was um watching it, I was just hugely, hugely frustrated, like getting getting really kind of pissy and, and just sort of like, how can we be this bad? Like it was it was kind of shocking to see that at the start of the season, we were doing pretty well. We were going good guns, and that was and that was great. But I think since this sort of second sort of bit of the season, or well, the sort of second stint after we break, it's it's been a bit, it's been a bit down, and they've not been as sharp as they were. I think honestly, they're going to be pretty embarrassed by this, um, by this game and by this performance and the result. Because I think you know we go, to, we you know we talk about if we're a, you know a frail, mentally fragile team but I think you go back to the Leinster game and you think oh well geez we started that really well we've got some good positives to come out of that but there's absolutely no positive to come out of this one because you've been nilled you can't really you can't really get any any worse than that even if it is a relatively respectable scoreline which I guess the only potential positive you could say is that Sale didn't put more points on us because they probably could have beaten us by 50 or more uh, if we're being realistic and sure there was maybe a couple of good defensive reads by a couple of guys, but unfortunately, you need the whole fifteen to be to be on it and connected. And sure, that's a bit of preparation, but as well, you know, you're you get you get disruption sometimes. And I think Dan was just saying what he had to say, whether it was just saying like I'm not going to give anybody any any sort of ammunition to sort of say that oh, well, if they can't travel, they're gonna you know they're gonna be easy targets. So they kind of have to say that, but they'll be embarrassed. And I think that's that's why we've had so little from them in terms of like media content from them. They've just been like radio silence, just absolutely nothing. It's just like, okay, well, we're moving on to the next um the next game. We're not we're not even gonna mention this one. It's just like, right, everyone knows exactly what 
you have to do like it's just gonna have to be a massive step up and you know they're all professionals they know that but it's how it's how Dan goes about that and it's how how all the coaches and staff kind of get you know get them back up for it and just say like right okay we've not we've not started this campaign very well at all which is a far cry from last year as well so there's gonna be a lot of emotions going through there's gonna be a lot of frustration and um you know maybe it's a good thing Larishelle are coming but uh we'll have to just wait and see yeah, yeah, and uh, and th- thanks for that, Jack. And uh, I think it sums up the, the thoughts of lots of Ulster fans: the frustration, the uh, how annoyed we were watching the game. Because I don't think we'd be annoyed if we didn't think this was a a, a great team, you know, a great squad with some great players in it. And the, the fact is, we expect big performances from Ulster now against great teams like Sale, who are riding high in the, the Premiership. And look, we expect more. I want to get a view from you guys. Is there any reason to be positive? Is there anything we can salvage from that? Now, performance-wise, not really. Like I'll speak for us. Uh, I think it's safe to say there's not much. And maybe there's something you guys saw that I didn't, but I didn't see any, anything by way of that performance to be positive about. But is there anything that we can take away from that? Well, well certainly, uh, I don't think we can be as poor as that again. So that has to be <laughs> That has to be the first positive to come out of it. Individually, some of the guys played uh, fairly well, uh, you know, um, and you could pick out uh, a few of them who, you know, who who did get stuck in. It was just a com- compounding of a lot of errors, um, and and the positive from that would be that we cut those errors out. And I think if we can do that, uh, you know, then we can build on on what we were doing. You know, there was times when we had the ball in possession, and we actually looked for a couple of phases. You know, to be pretty, to be pretty on it, and then the wee mistake came. You know, pass that, that went behind someone, and sometimes you in a game you get an, um, you know, you get the chance to recover from that and go on. We just didn't get the chance to recover from those. Sale were on us so quickly, uh, and uh, you know. The ball was was kicked through, and you know, um, no no real glaringly bad mistakes, but just a compound of of a lot of little mistakes uh, at crucial times. You know, when's the last time you saw us lose a line out like the one we lost in the second in the second half when the guy when their hooker actually came round our side and just stole yeah. the ball in the way? You know, those yeah. th- those sorts of things don't normally happen to Ulster. So the, for me, cutting those out, I think, is going to put us more on the front foot. And when we're on the front foot, you know, we're a match for anyone. Um, you have to remember that not that long ago, um, you know, at the end of last season, you know, we were in the hunt for, for, for both those trophies for a while. We were beating Claremont to lose away from home. Uh, so uh, like someone else has said, I think you don't become a bad team overnight, but you have to arrest uh, the, the blip very quickly, otherwise then it does become a problem. Absolutely. And look, there's uh, a hugely negative reaction from fans after this game across social media, and never mind social media, just any Ulster fans that I've spoken to have had similar reactions. Darren Cave had a few interesting things to say uh, off the back of that. Uh, here's a quote from uh, Darren, who we all respect, uh, as a, a guy who's played the game at the top level, is what he said. Yes. The amount of nonsense I've been unfortunate enough to read, it's 10 times as nonsensical as what was produced on the pitch. 
Things like McFarland should lose his job. The Ulster team is going backwards. The supporters should be offered refunds and players are paid too much. The standard of European rugby is phenomenally high at the minute and Ulster at the minute are not good enough to win that trophy. And it's as simple as that. They wouldn't say that, but that's the fact. That's the view of Darren Cave. And I, I think that's an interesting viewpoint. Um, we're joined by Nigel now and we'll get uh, his view on this in a wee second. Nigel, as always, has uh, some good insight to bring. I would argue, uh, having, having uh, agreed with Jack and Ian there, I think this result is less about the players and more about the coaches and the preparation. I think I'm a fan of football as well. I think if a team loses 6-0, sure, the players take flack for it, but ultimately it's the coaches have to take some responsibility for that. There's accountability higher up. Um, there are individual errors and poor mistakes that happen in games. Um, someone might uh, drop a ball or knock something on. We lose narrowly. That wasn't one of those. This looked to me like poor preparation. Through circumstance, sure, but also through poor coaching, particularly our defence. 32 defenders beaten, our territory and possession, Sale dominated that, two-thirds uh, of territory and possession, 14 clean breaks in this game for Sale, and discipline was just awful as well. Now, that, that's partly down to uh, the players in the pitch, of course it is, but also those stats point to a, a bigger problem. Now, Nigel, I, I realise you've just joined us here, but great to have you. And I'd like to get just a sense from you. Look, after that, we've been talking about how, how we thought the players and coaching staff felt after that game, how disappointing it's been in saying it's one of the worst games he's seen 30-odd years supporting Ulster. Is there anything to be positive about? Uh, what was your reaction to that game? That is a game um, you've just got a real line under and, and get past. I mean... And I've seen the reactions, and I'm kind of with Darren Cave on this, but I'll add a couple of things. You know, there was two things that, that fed into that game. I think there was the game the week before, which obviously, um, you know, people forget we were playing the bulk of the Ireland side there and lost by seven points, which on paper doesn't look bad at all. The reality was it, it was capitulated in 26 minutes of not playing on the park and terrible discipline resulting in two cards and then start, you know, stepped up the wick. They, they turned up the wick and took their chances. They were actually very impressive in the second half, I have to say. But in the first half, Ulster were superb. Um, so that that will play in their minds a bit. And I've got to be honest with you, I mean, I followed the timelines of what happened on Saturday. And you know, those guys were at the airport all day, waiting for a flight to get out. They were sent home somewhere, I'm not sure exactly what time it was, but talking to fans at the airport, it was somewhere between 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. They had to be back in the airport for about 6 o'clock to get a 7 o'clock flight. And then their bums never left seats until they got to the stadium. They had to play a game an hour later. They were knackered. I mean, I was talking to one fan uh, who said that they, they watched them during the warm-up and, and he said they didn't even look that they were with it in the warm-up. But I'll tell you what done it for me because I thought this this could be a nightmare. I actually thought this could be a nightmare. Um, but it was the... Uh, they got a, uh, a penalty very early in the game, sale inside the Ulster 22, and their nine tapped it and went and the Ulster players didn't even realise it had happened. Yeah. I mean, they weren't even aware it had happened. Um, and I thought, oh, dear God, these guys are just, they're not with it today. And even the Mike Larry throw in near the end, where he was oh. trying to make something happen. Oh, was so really, terrible. Not, not, not one player paid a bit of attention to it. You know, I mean, oh. it was, and look, I'll be honest with you guys. Look, I mean, yeah, it was it was a horrible game to watch. I mean, the fans there must have hated it. But look, 1 to 23, not one player played well. 
I mean, one to 23. When have you ever seen that in an Ulster shirt? I've never seen that. I've seen one player have a howler or the packs had a howler. Not one player had a good game on Saturday. They were all off it, all of them. And that tells me something else was wrong. And the only thing I can put that was universal across the board was they were bloody knackered. You know, they had no sleep. Their minds wouldn't be in the right place either because they wouldn't have had the build-up you would normally have. I mean, they literally yeah. got off the bus, literally got off the bus into the changing rooms. And uh, I don't know. I mean, at that level, I mean, where does this lie? I mean, I know we're talking people to coaches, players. I'm not not with that at all. What we do need to find out is we had weather warnings all week. You know, so surely the alarm bell should have rang with somebody. There might be a problem with travel this week. Never mind the fact they're on an EasyJet flight and they cancel flights to Liverpool and Manchester, regardless of weather. And sunny weather. <laughs> yes, exactly. Every time I'm at the airport or going there, there's a delay, a cancellation, or even if I'm flying abroad, there's, there's people there who are delayed three, four, five hours or cancelled. Why did somebody not keep an eye on this, given the weather warnings? And then maybe say, guys, maybe we need to get these fellas out a day early. Um, so the organisation of it for me was somebody dropped the ball there. Yeah. Question, no. We used to charter flights to European games. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that we're now using uh, public flights, and I think Leinster did as well. Who made that decision? Is that a money-saving thing from the IRFU? Are the clubs doing that independently? You know, these are things we don't know, but they didn't jump on EasyJet flights before. They used to get on a private plane and fly to yeah, the Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. Uh, you know, what's happened there? Is that a money-saving thing? It was a disaster from the start, organisation-wise. And, yeah, we can blame the players for not being on form, not one of them were. And because not one of them were, it tells me something else was afoot. And for me, it was, they had no energy. Their minds weren't in the right place because they'd spent the whole bloody day in an airport or in a bus or in a plane. Bad, bad organisation by somebody. Well, that's it. Exactly. I mean, it's not a witch hunt, but as fans and particularly people who travelled over as well, you feel bad for them and these uh, calls to, to get their money back. I don't think that I don't think that's ridiculous at all. I think people work hard uh, and they spend their hard-earned money in going to watch Ulster and uh, to to give them a performance like that through poor, poor organisation. Now, there's some things you just can't help, but as you say, like. Uh, Logistically, you, you look you look ahead, you look at bad weather, you get out slightly early, and um, that seems to make sense to me. And again, don't know don't know what happened there, but we'll talk a wee bit about the team performance here and try and be a bit more specific in terms of what actually went wrong. So, in can you give us a bit of an idea where Ulster went so badly wrong in that game? Yeah, as already uh, I've said, uh, Peter, I just I just feel that the the uh, the, mis- the mistakes were just compounded. Uh, uh, you know, each time we kept, we just kept making mistake after mistake. We weren't, we weren't able to uh, sort of look at what the opposition were were doing to us, uh, and uh, making a decision on the pitch to try and counter that. Um, if we go back to the Leinster game uh, uh, the previous week, we played very well for for forty odd minutes. Uh, we came out in the second half and we decided to kick the ball away. Um, some of the kicking was very poor uh, against Leinster and, and invited them on to us, and I accept that. But it was nearly as if we had been told on Saturday, don't kick the ball away, and then nobody did. So the best way, I'm not a coach by any stretch, the best way to counter a team that's coming up at you as fast as Sale were coming up at you is, is to vary your game is to put a few kicks in. 
uh, and see and see where that gets you. And we didn't do that. So uh, each each time we got the ball off off any of the uh, the, the scrumger lineouts that we did, when sail were in our face, we had no space. You know, we're pulling the ball out the back, but then the next pass, the sail guy was up was up again. Now they 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 played they played their they played their A game. There's no question about it. I want to introduce the Red Hand listeners to a fantastic business who support the podcast. Hill Fitness is Northern Ireland's leading home gym equipment provider. Whether you're a total beginner buying your first weight set or a strength training veteran creating your dream home gym, Hill Fitness have you covered. From dumbbells to squat racks, gym flooring to exercise bikes, Hill Fitness have everything you need and more. The Red Hand listeners can receive an exclusive discount of 5% off their first order in-store or online. Just use code RED5, all caps, at the checkout. Check them out at hillfitnessuk.co.uk. That's discount code RED5, all capitals, for 5% off your first order at hillfitnessuk.co.uk. Hill Fitness make amazing home gyms happen. Hello the Red Hand listeners, this is Jonathan Moore from SS Moore Sports in Belfast. We just stopped us at the front door of the City Hall onto Chester Street where we've been since 1950. We again, like most other years, carry a full range of the Ulster Rugby product. We do hoodies, tees, polos, jackets, gilets, scarves, hats, luggage. We do adults and kids and that can be seen in store or online at ssmsports.co.uk. Hope to see you guys soon and don't forget, shop local. But they had obviously watched us, uh, and and uh, unfortunately, you know, some of the players have got to take responsibility for making decisions on the pitch, um, and uh, who, who who those generals are. Normally, we would be looking to Handley and Cooney to you know to sort of uh, get us around the pitch a bit, and they're not there. So yeah. you know, somebody needs to step up and and do that. So to me, that's you know. That's two things. It's obviously management on the pitch, but it's obviously information that's being passed to them from from the coaching staff. I mean, I'm not in the in, in the camp that wants uh, wholesale changes at Ulster. Uh, I think the guys have done uh, particularly well to get us to the stage where we can feel so bad about a loss. Uh, where a couple of years ago we were nearly taking it. Uh, on the chin each time that we went out. Uh, so, you know, there's there, there are questions that can be asked uh, uh, after the game. Um, but generally, um, you know, I think we, we just need to look at how we're managing games and yeah. uh, finishing games like the, the previous one. Um, reacting to what the opposition are doing is another thing. And, and we didn't react to them. We allowed yeah. them to impose them. They imposed themselves totally on us. Yeah, um, and and they had a fantastic game plan. And I say it again, I thought they they were they were superb. Yeah, yeah. they were as good a Premiership team as we have played in the past ten years, Peter, including Saracens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And we'll talk a wee bit about how good they were in a second. But in terms of injury updates, uh, and you mentioned there a couple of 
sort of leaders and generals that we need on the pitch, Henderson and Cooney, they're not mm-hmm. guaranteed to be back, is my understanding. I think they're still read that. a yeah. question mark, isn't that right? And then, I re- yeah, I read that today. Yeah, yeah, and James Hume probably are. He, he's Our best out. player, apart from yeah. that, is out. Yeah, <laughs> just what we well, need. Well, the, well, the luck, the luck, Sorry, guys, if I'm butting in here. Nope. The lucky, um, the lucky thing is we have Luke Marshall. Um, I was going to say that. Ho- ho- hopefully, uh, the last I heard, he had he had picked up a small injury, so I'm I'm hoping he's mm-hmm. back to to full fitness again. Uh, uh, so you know, like like for like, there's not a lot of difference between him and him. Um, and and uh, sometimes his more uh, rather than you know sort of specific footwork, but his more direct play mm-hmm. will, will be will be better suited maybe for the sort of game that we're expecting this weekend. So uh, from that respect, uh, you know, I, I I don't have a uh, a big worry about losing him, but certainly um, I I think Nathan is is still a young boy, and to expect him to be um, you know sort of Producing the sort of management type game that Cooney does at this stage of his career uh, is maybe a wee bit much. And I yeah. think if you if you look back at the beginning of this monster season, Casey struggled because he was playing uh, uh, behind a pack that were that were right, doing sure. nothing, that were making mistakes. Now look at him in his last couple of games. The monster are actually uh, forwards are actually playing well from football, and Casey is back to looking. Think mm. what he did two seasons ago. So, a lot of that is confidence. Nathan looks as if his confidence is, is shattered a wee bit, uh, and uh, it would be good to see Cooney back on the pitch for me. Well, that, that's it exactly. And and uh, the other person we need to consider in all of this is Billy Burns as well. Who, if you're playing as a ten, as a nine or a ten behind a pack, which is being dominated, um, that makes your life very difficult. So, um, sure thing. Yeah, and Jack, I just want to turn to you now. What are the most urgent things that Dan will be telling his squad to sort out uh, before next week? Yeah, I was just I was just kind of listening to what's saying about just some of the basic errors, and I think that's one of the one of the good things about Dan McFarland is that he is all about just the basics. So he's all about the basic skills, you know, catch, pass, kick. So if those if they're fixable very fixable details which can be you know which can be done fairly easily but it's got to be done at a at an intensity level that's going to have to be you know far far higher than what we were what we saw the weekend but those are things that we can sort out but i think primarily what's going to be interesting is the sort of the looks in the eyes of these guys when they go out on on saturday evening to play la rochelle they're going to want to have to be pumped up chests you know chest side going out there like they own the place it'll be a home game so you know they're back at home so mentally that kind of switches things a little bit and as well about what Nigel was saying about I didn't realize how how short they were on like sleep and you know just the mental fatigue that that would impact on you is 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 massive like you know you think you know I, I, I struggle on you know a little bit of a little bit of sleep but to go out and play a massive sale team on you know four four or five hours sleep and then maybe catching an hour or two on the bus on the way like these are pro athletes they're going to be superstitious they're going to have their ways of doing things so i think as well dan's going to have a wee job of just just calming things down and just saying look guys we've had a couple of crap weeks here where where things have not gone away and you know we're just a bit fried you know 
maybe maybe he's going to be like you know take you know the Monday the Monday they'll probably have off anyway, right? I imagine after a, after a game, so it'll be a short turnaround. But he'll just say to them, look, you know, let's just relax. We know what we're good at. And uh, we know that that's not, you know, the best way that we play. Just try and relax things a little bit so the guys are relaxed, coming in, coming into training, put some good sessions up together to build their confidence back up because they're going to be nervous. They're going to be thinking that this is going to be a slide that we're going to go on. It's not. It's just a really bad one-off where we got it badly, badly wrong for 80 minutes and that happens, you know, put it to bed, forget about it work on you know work on the things that need to be worked on but stay positive and stay relaxed and just you know remember that this should be enjoyable like you said peter and it should be fun so you know bring that back into training and you know everyone's gonna have to pull out some some new and you know interesting ideas to, to keep to keep players um keep players interested and not you know not get too downhearted and and and, and i think yeah probably probably mentally is going to be the biggest challenge just yeah. to get these guys up but i mean you're going to have to be up for it because it's it's, it's la rochelle so um everyone's going to be pumping each other up so uh hopefully they do that yeah it's a huge test and this as you say this is where coaches earn their money and uh Dan McFarland will have to think carefully about what he says to the guys. He has to pitch this correctly, and because I mean, if they if they don't win this game, do you know it's a bit of a catastrophic, <laughs> catastrophic few weeks. Um, albeit uh, these are two teams that you maybe wouldn't expect to have beaten anyway away. So you'd like to think we could beat anyone at home. Uh, sail away was always going to be difficult. So catastrophic is maybe too strong a word, but it's the manner of the defeat. Okay, so I, I think if we, if we lose to La Rochelle, it's not the end of the world, but it's the manner uh, in which yeah. we, we go out and respond. Uh, I was speaking to Harry Williams, a name drop there for you, uh, who <laughs> coached uh, the 99 Legends to, to, to win the European Cup. Did you interview that, Harry Williams, uh, Peter, on yeah, the uh, Red yeah. Hand podcast? That's it. Thank you so much yeah. uh, for, for the <laughs> shout out and the plug there, Jack. Um, and it's it's really interesting. Harry basically says, look, um, you, you only have a couple of sort of hairdryer moments a season. Do you know, he is very, is very cool guy and very calm. Dan McFarlane's in a similar mold. Like, I don't think Dan's a shouter. Um, I think he's pretty calm and collected by all accounts. Um, I think he has the capacity, like all good coaches, to absolutely uh, lose it with players. <laughs> Say lose it. Sort of lose it in a controlled way uh, to get players up for a game. And he'll have to be very, very measured and, and careful about how, how he does that and how he approaches this game and, and gets guys up for it. Right. Nigel, I think you and Jack are probably the more positive among us. I was, me and Ian are probably slightly more reactionary after the game uh, due to passions and emotions. But uh, and I know you're a very passionate fan as well. But I want to get your perspective on: Is this a one-off, or does this Ulster team just get exposed against quality opposition? Saturday was a one-off, without a doubt. I have absolutely no doubt about that. But what I will say, I just respond to a couple of things there. The game against Leinster, we got into a nice lead at half time, and I actually think, and this is where Ulster did make a mistake. I thought they they moved to almost just contain Leinster the rest of the game. You know, like we've got this one. Uh, let's contain them and kick to the corners and, and, and Leinster just played into that and the reason I say that is because when the game was basically out of touch then the realisation to Ulster came that here if we score another try we get a losing bonus point <laughs> and they upped their game and scored a bloody try at the end and you're thinking well why didn't you do that for the last 26 minutes why didn't we see any of that intensely so I think they actually moved to contain I don't think you can defend the lead in rugby I think it's a game you have to attack when in possession at all times yeah. 
Um, and that's just, just my personal opinion. And it was because they picked it up and scored at the end. I thought, well, what was that about? So that's that game. Sale are a sharp team. They're second in the Premiership. They're bloody quality output. They very quickly realised what was in front of them, which was a team that were not mentally in the right place and were physically shattered. And they went to the quick game all the time. I mean, they were so quick at recycling the ball. They were in our faces in their defence. They were first to everything, first to the malls. The turnovers we conceded and subsequently the penalties trying to stop them was just because Ulster were at 60 70%. And Sale caught that on very, very quickly. And they were just in our faces the whole game. And guys, you all know, it only takes one part of your game to be off and you could be, the end of, you could be on the receiving end of a hiding. And uh, our energy levels were gone. And we were second to absolutely everything. On, on Sunday, I mean, I, it was, you know, let's be honest, it was horrible to watch. Dan will contextualize last week. He has to. He has to. Let's put this into perspective. Here's what happened, and here was the result of it. We can't do that again. Uh, but they're not going to be sitting in an airport at one o'clock on, on, on you know, Friday, Friday night or Saturday morning. They're going to get rest. They're going to get preparation. It really is a game that he's got to put a full stop on and say, that's it. It was a one off. That's why it was such. We forget that. We can do nothing about it now. It's all about this game this weekend. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. If we play at the level we played in Leinster in the first half and the last five minutes, I will add, Lagosiel are a typical French team. They don't travel well. They're terrible away. They're a different team away. Um, as quite a lot of French teams are, frankly. And Racing 92 at home, as it appears. But, <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, uh, Ulster didn't become an awful, terrible side overnight. You know, as I say, there's a reason for what happened on Sunday. And I think I've got my understanding is just where they were and their physical condition. Uh, but he's got to draw a line on that, as do the players. That's got to be put behind them. And they concentrate solely on the game this weekend and what the task is ahead. They will be a lot better this weekend, I have no doubt. This is not a capitulation of Ulster in the downturn, but we've got a really tough run of games here. Sail away. Yeah. La Rochelle home, La Rochelle away. I mean, these are these are tough games. And we're not probably expecting to go to La Rochelle and get anything uh, or get much. So it really hinges on this game. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's be honest, you lose your first one in the current format, you're in trouble if you don't get something out of it. That's why I don't like this current format because the first game dictates an awful lot of what can happen going forward. We're relying on other results, possibly, yeah. uh, to help us get through. You don't want to be in that position after one game. Hopefully yeah. they bring it back after the World Cup to the, the proper format. So that's why I say it. I think they'll be a lot better this week. Uh, I think they'll contextualise what happened on Sunday. This is what happened. This is why it happened. That's gone. Forget that. And they've got to move on there and concentrate on the game this week. Yeah, a beacon of positivity as always, Nigel. So we thank you for that <laughs> and uh, for bringing some some uh, balance to our negativity. No, I think in fairness, I think we're all we're all aware that you know. This isn't the Ulster that we we know and love. Do you know we expect better, and that's why there was such a reaction. I think. Okay, so and the other thing that we we don't want to do is do a disservice to Sale. I think in terms of of Sale, in many ways their performance was opposite the Ulsters. They looked well prepared, cohesive, worked as a unit. They had guys coming back from England duty to Laggy, uh, Johnny Hill, who's always he's. Niggly player and a top class player as well. Tom Curry, Bevan Rod in the front row, um, clinical in attack and defence. 
Uh, Tulai, very good, giving them front football, doing carries, <laughs> similar to the one that has got Andy Warwick in trouble, or rather Andy Warwick has got himself in trouble. And we'll talk about that maybe in a second. The, uh, Dan and uh, Jean-Luc Dupre, um, the, the twins in the back row, uh, alongside Johnny Hill, were menaces in terms of uh, Ulster's Mall and sort of outmuscled us. Uh, Bevan Rod and uh, Josh Beaumont uh, jackaled for tur- turnovers as well. So there's just a load of guys who um, got stuck in and full, uh, they're, they're a quality outfit and full credit to them. Okay, so I think I need to give them that credit because we've talked a lot about Ulster's capitulation, which it was, but also full credit to Sale for, for bringing that about. Is there going to be pressure on Dan McFarlane's job as head coach? And that question's not directed to anyone, that's to the group. Does anyone have any particular strong feelings on whether Dan is uh, is under pressure now? Should he suffer maybe another big defeat? At this well, point, no. He certainly wouldn't be, uh, in my view, he wouldn't be under pressure based on, on, on that one game. Um but looking at Ulster overall this season, our standards are not as high as they were last season. That's without question. Now, I know there have been changes. and I know we've, we've suffered with some of the players not being available. But the standards are not as good as they were. And I think at the end of this season, that's the time then to reflect on whether Dan's the man to take us uh, any further. Yeah, very fair. What do you think, Jack? I, I think he's I think he's grand and I think um I think just just on on that point Ian I think that there has been there has been definitely a dip in the last kind of I guess the last kind of three games and maybe the tail end of that Lions game um well the monster game as well but again mm-hmm. there's been a bit of disruption that we started the season really really well I thought and there was actually an evolution to the attack that I thought was really really ha- really really positive and and you know we were running these great great lines and backs and forwards were you know doing you know pull back passes in the in the boot sort of shape in terms of the pods and stuff so we were seeing quite a bit of a nice evolution Leinster game uh, at home kind of uh derailed us a little bit kind of plugged the confidence that, that there and we were a bit like oh dear but no look Dan Dan's done a great uh great job um just making this team uh you know potentially you know beating some of the best in in Europe you know um beating Claremont away beating Toulouse away uh-huh. um things like that so there's been a great progression sure there's going to be there's going to be a time when when Dan moves on but I don't think it's this season I don't think it's it's next season it could be the season after that that we that we look at a at a, a sort of progression or a succession sort of plan for for who's going to be who's going to be the next man up, but um, it should be planned and it shouldn't be just a knee jerk reaction to to a couple of bad results against good opposition. So. Yeah, yeah, no, fair. Um, I I think it's it's interesting. I was uh, listening to the um, the fan forum. Uh, Johnny Petrie speaking at that. Look, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting question. What, what's Ulster Rugby's future? You look at that coaching setup. Um, Johnny Bell has come back in and and taken over from Jared Payne. I mentioned some of the stats there. Um, I think those may speak for themselves. And 
I think some of the performances we've seen uh, will probably speak for themselves as well. We'll look back on, and we, Nigel, you were alluding to it earlier as well, the game management and who does that come from? Um, so against Leinster, for example, and we've seen it before last season as well, trying to protect the lead. And the guys are being told to do that. I completely agree with you. I think you, you be sensible, but you don't. It's not like football. You take the ball into the corner and and try and protect it. You can't do that in rugby. You have to do something with the ball. And I, unless it's the last thirty seconds of a game, you stick it up your jumper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's possible to do. Now they're being told. Billy, that- Billy Burns' question is a big one too. I think um, because really we did this last season too. We kind of burned that lad out. I mean, he was hobbling around that pitch against Leicester for about sixty minutes. Yeah, we need that. We need to, these, these yeah. lads we've brought in. You know, we've got mm-hmm. that lad Flannery now. I mean, we need to be getting him more game time. We need a we need a backup that is capable of stepping in and managing the game at least as well as Billy or as well as Billy does. We rely way way too much on Billy Burns. I think. And, I agree, hundred uh, percent. You know, uh, he's sixty percent fit. He plays, and that's not right. It's yeah. not right. And yeah. and uh, and you and you hit the nail on the head. About, about him hobbling around in, in that Leinster game. You know, that that was, to me, that was purely uh, down to management. That yeah. That is, you, you can't lay that at anybody's door. You can't lay that at Billy Burns' door. Somebody makes that decision mm-hmm. to not have a competent 10 backup and to leave the guy on the pitch for, you know, when he's not performing at the, at the, the top level. And any player that's, you know, that's less than, say maybe 80 percent fit really shouldn't be taking the pitch they shouldn't mm-hmm. be on it mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, but, but again that comes down to is dan mcfarland picks the team uh, no he, he has a staff with him as well he has dan super there will assist with that but at the end of the day uh dan uh, sorry dan's picking the team and rotation is is pretty key to that as well now these guys get to see a lot more than we do in terms of they get to watch the training and everything like that. And I fully appreciate that. But- um, we brought seven players in the summer, mate, and we haven't seen much of them. Uh, that love Michael McDonald. I mean, I'd like to see more of him. I think Sean Raffel's been a loss to us. He's a hell of a sign, I think. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of these new guys, we're not seeing them. Where are they? Um, you yeah. know, so we're starting to rely on the same old, same old, like the Billy Burns is one, John Cooney. Uh, I totally agree what was said about Nathan Doak. He, he's been he's had far too much thrust upon him at his age. He's a cocky young lad, but he, he needs to learn his game. Uh, you know, he, he's got to develop. And uh, you know, we need to start using these players and stop relying so much on the, the old reliables every week because we're going to burn them out. They're going to lose form. You know, to do it consistently, like the likes of Leinster have done, the likes of La Rochelle and Toulouse, it requires like a a massive squad. And you need, in my opinion, a world-class 10 who, you know, all respect to Billy Burns, but he is, he's not just quite a world-class 10. You need a world-class 9 uh, and Billy Burns to then actually push on and actually control a game, which 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 we don't really have because we've got, you know, a young guy at 9 who's, who's not going to be that player for us. So we need to be realistic and I think we need to be a bit more kind of rational with like, okay, these are the players we have. If you're right injured, we've got a young guy, Flannery, who's got potential, but he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna shoot the lights out this season, but he's gonna need game time. So it's such a it's such a balance of of the resources. And we've got Ian Madigan injured at the minute, who would probably have been really helpful this weekend because he's got that guy with experience, calm head, a lot of a lot of skill and 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 uh, and you know, can can win games for you if he, you know, if he's on form as well. So it's um 
it's a real it's a real tough position to be in, but I think it'll be a turning point. Well, it'll be another turning point, but it'll be pivotal in our season, depending mm. on on what happens next. Yeah, it'll be absolutely decisive. I'm going to read a couple of quotes from from Stuart and and Dan. Stu McCloskey says, "Try to keep the faith. There are ups and downs. You have to get to a place where people expect something from you to get disappointed. It's nice to get to that stage where people expect us to do well in big games. I think that's that's probably not a terrible." Uh, note to to end the podcast on the, the, yeah. the other the other thing that um, Dan McFarland says on a positive note. There's always going to be criticism. I have a job to focus on, just as the guys have a job to focus on in terms of credit in the bank. This is a side that has done a lot over a chunk of time. 120 minutes of not of rugby not playing great. We'll be looking at that as much as anyone else and just refocusing on what we're good at. Oh, um, yeah, but nobody more got it than those guys. Absolutely, absolutely. In, in, in a sentence, do you think that we can beat La Rochelle this week? It would go through each of you. Who wants to go first? All right, I'll go first. If, if we play like we did in the first half against Leinster, if we can get to that level, we have every chance. And it's, it's not because La Rochelle are a poorer team than us. They are not good travellers. They they never do travel well. Uh, I mean, the last time we played them in the league, they, they thumped us away and we beat them mm. at home. So, yeah, but we need to get back to that level now. Yeah. Um, 100% uh, agree that with, with that sentiment. I think it depends on who we can get onto the pitch, of course, and it depends on how we get out of the blocks um, at the start of the game. If, 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 uh, if we're fragile, as, as many people are, are saying that we might be after those two games, then uh, we, we at least need to get off to, to crack and start. Yeah, and we know we can do that. We've done that against... Most teams this season, so uh, yeah, I do believe we can win it. Selection, team selection is a a big factor, and start starting fast and quick, big yep. factor. Fingers crossed. I'll be there. Rain, hail, or shine. Very good. Same here. What about you, Jack? <laughs> yeah, likewise. I'm actually. It'll be. This will be my first Ulster game for uh, a good while that I'd be going to. So of course I want them to win, but I I would probably say we we should we should be uh, expecting uh, La Rochelle to come uh, all guns blazing and probably just pip us to the post. I would just be very happy with uh, a, a, a very much improved cohesive kind of performance where guys <laughs> guys get out play well enjoy themselves and I think yeah whoever we actually can get out onto the pitch because it might be a bit of a makeshift uh, team by by the end of this week uh, with injuries and stuff and we don't really know who's who's fit and who's not because Ulster like to keep us in the dark a bit so um, but yeah certainly hoping we can turn it around in a week but might be a bit of a stretch nothing to, lose. nothing to lose after last weekend guys well that's okay. true yeah no, no. I sense that will be the theme of the team talk. Uh, you can't. <laughs> but no, but no, no quick throw-ins in your own twenty-two, Mike Laurie. Okay, no. just keep those to yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's great, guys. Thank you very much. And look, uh, the group therapy I think was very helpful for all of us, and we can move on with our lives now and <laughs> look ahead to the weekend. So thanks, thanks very much, guys. Thanks, no cheers. Thank you. The Red Hand is proudly partnered with Shredded Juice Bar. A fantastic local business based on Belfast's bustling Lisburn Road. Shredded Juice Bar stocks a range of fresh, healthy, wholesome and delicious foods and drinks. Fresh juices, smoothies, SIE bowls, protein pots, overnight oats, protein balls, salads and wraps. You can tailor our menu to your needs. Everything is served just the way you like it. 
We're all about feel-good food. Come and give us a try. We know you'll love it. We're open seven days a week. That shredded juice bar on the Lisburn Road in Belfast. We look forward to seeing you soon.